0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of John, the Gospel Record of John in chapter number 14, the Gospel Record of John in chapter number 14. Believe it or not, we're halfway through our series now. Of course, this is a little bit smaller series just covering the month of December uh, leading unto our brand new year. But it is a very powerful series because it deals with a time where Jesus has just gathered his eleven. And he is giving them last minute instructions because their world is about to change in a matter of hours. So Jesus is pulling the disciples aside and encouraging them and in preparing them, teaching them, instructing them. And just this intimate setting just between him and them preparing them for the world that they're going to face ahead and so if you don't mind let's pick it up in the gospel record of John chapter number 14 the gospel record of John chapter number 14 we've already seen Jesus take some time to describe that he is heading someplace called the cross and at Calvary none of the disciples can follow him but afterwards he's going to prepare a place for them and that place he's going to come back for them and bring them with him in the midst of this discussion another question is asked which Jesus Jesus Christ answers and if you don't mind let's pick it up starting in verse number seven the gospel record of John chapter 14 starting at verse number seven the word of God says this if ye had known me ye should have known my father also and from henceforth ye shall know him and have seen him Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do (laughs) shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And if you don't mind, and in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of John? The gospel record of John chapter 14. And if you wouldn't mind, to mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of John chapter 14. And verse number nine, notice the phrase that Jesus Christ says in here. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He that hath seen me hath seen the father and with the Lord's help I'd like to preach this message explaining what Jesus is talking about here he that hath seen me hath seen the father if you don't mind let's go to the Lord together let's pray dear heavenly father thank you again for you being a wonderful God thank you that we could come up to you and we could speak to you and that you are a real God I thank you that we're not speaking to imagination or we're not just wasting time, but we're talking to a real God and we can know you. And we're praying that you would do something in our midst tonight, that we could know you more. We can know you more intimately, that we could get to know you personally. I'm asking that you would do something in our midst now to encourage us in our walk and our relationship with you. Again, knowing that this is a supernatural work and I don't have the words to explain it. I'm depending upon your Holy Spirit that you would fill me, that you would get across exactly what you want to get across and that you would draw all men near unto you. Just do a wonderful work tonight. Open up your Bible and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the midst of Jesus discussing these things with the disciples, he has pulled them close and he's explained that he is about ready to go to the cross. And at the cross, they cannot follow him. But he's going to go prepare a place for them. And if he goes to prepare a place, he's coming back for them. It's in the midst of this that a question was asked by Thomas that says, Lord, how do we know where you're going? And how do we know how to get there? Jesus simply answered, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man goeth to the Father but by me. Then Jesus goes on to give some explanation. And if you don't mind, as we examine this text and this powerful, powerful statement that Jesus made, the first thing I'd like to show you is the request to see the Father. The request to see the Father. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number seven, Jesus is continuing to answer Thomas that Thomas is. Asked the question about how can we know the way. Jesus explains that he is the way. He is the life. He, <clears throat> he is the truth. And no man goeth to the Father but by Jesus. Jesus continues with that idea in verse 7. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye shall know him and have seen him. Now notice the word know in here. I love the word know. In the Bible it carries the idea of knowledge, but in this case here it carries the idea of a different type of knowledge. It carries the idea of an experiential knowledge, meaning something that you could experience for yourself. The Bible gives a phrase in the book of Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. When we say that, oh, taste and see. Does that mean that you get to cut off a little bit of a, of a God rib and get to chew on that for a little bit? You get a finger. What does that mean? Well, it carries the idea of experiencing God. You understand there is a difference of knowledge between knowing about someone and knowing someone personally. Let's say for an example that the current president of the United States is President Trump. You may know some things about our president, but I doubt if many of you know him personally. You understand there's a different type of knowledge that goes along with it. Most people are satisfied with knowing about God. People are satisfied knowing about Christ. Very few people have a desire to know him experientially, knowing him personally. And did you know that God wants to be known? That's one of his attributes, is that he is both knowable and unknowable. Think about that. He is knowable and unknowable. What does it mean about this? That God is first of all knowable, that means that you can know God experientially. You can know God personally. He is unknowable, meaning that you can't study all about God. You just can't comprehend it. That is, you could study from here, every moment of your day, from your lifetime, and then borrow someone else's lifetime, and then borrow someone else's lifetime, and then if you can borrow someone else's lifetime, and you will still not know everything about God. He is both knowable and unknowable, but he wants you to know him personally. He wants you to have that personal relationship, that personal fellowship. He does not want you to know just facts and figures. It is good to know that Jesus Christ was robed in flesh and born in a manger in Bethlehem. That is good knowledge. But having knowledge of Christ is not the same of knowing Christ himself. And so here Jesus Christ is talking about knowing God. Notice again in verse 7. If you had known me, that means to know with experience, to know personally, ye should have also known my Father. Jesus correlates here, knowing Christ is knowing God. We'll talk more about this in a second, because this is going to bring up a question that maybe you will have yourself. And from henceforth, ye shall know him, that's God, and have seen him. You can see God, he's telling his disciples. Now, Philip raises his hand. Sir, I got a question. Many of you in this spot, you probably would have had the same question too. I mean, he didn't even wait to get Peter to ask a question. I've asked this myself. Verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. That means it will satisfy. That's all I want to know is, if you just show me Jesus Christ, We'll be satisfied. Now, again, P, uh, Philip isn't quite understanding what is there. Jesus is saying, Hey, if you know me, you know the Father. Well, Philip says, Well, then just show us the Father. Show us God. Show us Him. And we'll be satisfied. We want to know Him. So Jesus has to back up and reteach what He's explaining. That first of all, we have a request to see the Father. Jesus said, If you know me, you'll know the Father. Well, I want to know the Father. How can I get to know the Father? Which brings us to the second thing I'd like to show you in this text. Not only the request to to see the Father, but I want to show you this. The revelation of the Father. The revelation of the Father. Notice with me in verse number 9. Jesus answers Philip's question now. Jesus saith unto him, Philip, have I been so long time with you, and yet ye have not known Me, Philip? Now, this is a powerful statement. Philip says, I want to see Christ. And Jesus says, I spent so much time with you and you don't know me? You don't know me personally? Basically, what Jesus is doing is said, I'm here. You want to see God? Hey, here I am. He goes on to explain. (laughs) Notice with me in verse number nine. Have I been so long time with you and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? And verse number 9 is one of the most powerful statements dealing with the important doctrine of theology and Christology. Theology is the study of God. Christology is the study of Christ. And what we see here is that Jesus Christ is claiming to be God how do I get to know God by getting to know the son Jesus Christ one of the important things of of the Bible that we understand is that we do not have three gods there are some people that have a misunderstanding that believe that that they think we believe that there are three distinct gods that God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are three unique separate beings they are not They are one being, three aspects of the being. You say, can you explain that? No, I can't and neither can you. We could try to make up some illustration. We could try to get across the same thing. But basically we just have to say that there is one God, three aspects of the same God. That Jesus Christ is God and he never ceased to be God He robed himself in flesh. That was the difference. Remember when I talked about before is that God is both knowable and unknowable. That part of how God revealed himself. The word reveal means to unveil. To pull back the curtain. That God says, I want you to know me. And so in order for you to get to know me. You have to be able to relate to me. Does that make sense? So... Let's take a little science lesson, if you don't mind. Uh, this is going to be a more of an abstract idea, but we have to get our minds wrapped around it. We understand that we live in multiple dimensions. All right? You say, what in the world is this? Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be a bad science lesson. Let's say that you took a dot and put a dot on a piece of paper. And what you did is you squared that dot. What would happen is you would get a line. And let's say that the first dimension would be width. Okay. If you squared that width, now you would have width and height. Now you have an actual square. You square that square and you get a cube, right? Did you know that you could square that cube and you get to a fourth dimension called duration? We call it time. Now... You could actually keep squaring it and get multiple dimensions. That's how you get multiple dimensions. You said, all right, well, this is too much of a science lesson. Well, let's kind of reverse it just a little bit. Let's say that this is my friend, Mr. Flat. And he is a two-dimensional being that only perceives three, okay? So he doesn't understand. He is only In this, he doesn't understand three dimensions. He lives in two dimensions, perceives three. So let's say that Mr. Flat here looks at my finger. Now, can he understand all of me? He can only understand a little bit of me. And let's say that we have his wife, Mrs. Flat, and I have two fingers over here. All right. Now, does she have a different perspective? Now, and then they get together and they fight and they say, start the church of one finger and the church of two fingers and go on. But we understand here is that they can only understand and perceive a small portion of me. They cannot understand the whole. Do you understand that God is bigger than us? Much more bigger than us. And we can only understand and perceive a small degree of who God is. God knows this and knows that just God himself is an uncomprehendable being to us. To think about God, not Jesus, but God, what does he look like? What does he do? Can you understand that that God is outside of time? So he doesn't travel through time like you and I, we're stuck in the fourth dimension only going one way. You can't go backwards in time. But God is outside of time. Doesn't that already blow our minds and go past our comprehending? God knows that we cannot comprehend him as God. So what God did is he robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. So we can have somewhat of a way to perceive who God is. Did you know that the Bible speaks about this? Hold your finger here and turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter number 1. The book of Hebrews chapter 1. This is why the Bible talks about that Jesus did not think it robbery to be equal with God. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is God robed in flesh. And he never ceased to be God. There are some people that unfortunately misteach that when Jesus Christ robed himself in flesh, that he also set aside his deity. He never set aside his deity. Uh, We're not going to turn there, but in John chapter 3, when Jesus Christ is talking to Nicodemus, he says a very powerful statement. That he says, hey Nicodemus, as I'm talking to you, I want to let you know, the same time I'm talking to you, I'm also in heaven. Think about that. The same time as he's talking to Nicodemus, Jesus is also in heaven at the same time. Why? Because Jesus Christ is God and he never ceased to be God. He robed himself in flesh to reveal to us in a way that we can understand a little bit of who God is. Notice with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and notice with me in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past by the fathers, by the prophets, hath in these last days, now speaking about the New Testament days, uh, speaking about when Christ was on the earth, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, who the made all the worlds. Who being, talking about Christ, being the brightness of his glory, notice this, and the express image of his, God's person, and upholding all things by the word of his power when he by himself had purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What the Bible says in the book of Hebrews is that Jesus Christ is the expressed image Image of God. So when Jesus Christ is telling Philip and answering him, Philip said, I want to know God. Jesus said, Have you spent so much time with me and you don't recognize me? I'm right here. I'm here. Jesus said, He that hath seen the Son hath seen God because Jesus Christ is God. And the way to get to know God is by a Son. Jesus Christ. That is how God has revealed himself. That Jesus Christ is the living word, the living revelation of who God is. That in order to get to know God, you must get to know the Son. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goeth to the Father but by me. So any religion that says you can know God without getting to know Jesus Christ doesn't know God. Then in order for us to understand and relate and to comprehend who God is, you study, you get to know personally Jesus Christ. And again, we're talking beyond facts and figures. It's good to know the Bible. It's good to know the historical records. It's good to know what Jesus Christ did and what he said and the miracles But you don't have to just read the Bible. You can talk to him today. You can spend time in his presence. The Bible reveals who Christ is. And you can get to know him and talk with him. Now I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you can know Christ outside the Bible. I'm saying the Bible reveals who he is. But you can experience him. You could talk with him. You could be in his presence. You could have a conversation with him. You could He could talk to him in prayer. He could speak back to you through his precious word. You could be in his presence. You can get to know God. Because if you have seen Jesus, you've known God. And this is an important teaching. Because... Jesus Christ wants us to get to know him. He wants us to get to know Christ. We can believe that Jesus is God by Christ's own words. Notice as it goes on, if you don't mind, as Jesus Christ continues to explain this in verse number 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Notice this. The words that I speak unto you are of not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Jesus is saying, you can know me by my words. That my words reveal that I am in God. My words reveal that I am God. You can know me. You can know God. Trust my words. He also goes on, if you don't just believe his words, you could believe his works. Notice if you don't mind. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. The Bible says that you could believe that Jesus Christ is God by his words, and you could believe that Jesus Christ is God by his works. Jesus Christ is. Is God and you can know God by getting to know Jesus Christ and not just facts and figures but knowing him personally for yourself this is where Christianity goes off the rails that there is a lot of people who are satisfied with their knowledge of God with the facts and figures without knowing him personally that's what God wants most of all is that God desires fellowship. If we could say it this way. That God wants friends. And if you're going to be a friend with someone. There's two elements that are required. You have must spend time with them. And you must trust them. Trust is a two-way street. Can you trust God? Can he trust you? Do you spend time with him? We all had people that we graduated high school with. And said we'll love each other forever. And then fast forward several years. And you don't see him or hear from him again. Sometimes you don't even remember who, what their names were. I had a friend in high school, I don't remember their name. But in order for you to stay close with someone, you must spend time with them. And God has provided the way to spend time through his word and through prayer. We could spend time with God. And we could get to know him, experience him, know him. For ourselves so we start off with the request to know the father we come up with the revelation of the father there's a third thing I'd like to show you here the results of knowing the father the results for knowing the father we know that Jesus Christ is God robed in flesh in order to get to know God you get to know the sun, And the more that you spend time with the Son, the more you experience the Son, the more that you get to know who God is. And as you get to know who God is, it changes how you behave. It changes what you do. There are some people who call themselves Christians who do abominable acts and that's because they're not currently living in the presence of God. There are some people who call, claim to be Christians, but they don't act Christ-like because they don't have a personal knowledge of God. But when you have a personal knowledge of God, it changes how you behave. The Bible speaks about this as Jesus Christ continues to go on. Notice with me in verse number 12. John 14 in verse 12, we notice some of the results of knowing the Father, first of all, by, in the Christian life in the Christian life notice with me in verse 12 verily verily I say unto you he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father now Jesus is going to explain this in detail but let me give you the synopsis that Jesus Christ while he's in the flesh can only be at one place inside of his body but when Jesus Christ goes to heaven and goes back he is sending the Holy Spirit who is God as well and because the Holy Spirit is not encased in a physical body the Holy Spirit can indwell in all of us and be everywhere at once and God can do some amazing things and we remember that as Jesus said those works were not came from me, they came from God. Then he says, the works that were done in me, the, when I leave, they will be done in those who believe in me. Now, once again, did according to what Jesus said, where did the power come from? From God. Does that mean that we have the power? No, God has the power. He's using us as instruments, as vessels, to get his work accomplished. That is, we're dead to self, when we let the Holy Spirit do his work, we can see amazing things happen. Now, I'm not saying that you get a handkerchief and you wave it on someone and they're healed or you slap someone to the forehead. I'm saying that God has great power and he wants to get a lot of things accomplished and that he wants to use human instrumentality to do the work. That it is God that does the work. That we just surrender ourselves and allow him to use us. And amazing things will happen. And there is a difference between someone trying to do the Christian life in their own flesh and someone allowing God to do the work for them. Do you know that man can get quite a few things accomplished? Man can build quite a few things. But there is a limit to what man can do. We don't want to be satisfied with what man can build. We don't want to be satisfied with what man can be accomplished. We want to be satisfied with what God can be accomplished. We want to have a type of thing where people look at this church years later and say, how in the world did all this happen in the We could only say, we don't know. God did it. It wasn't us. It was God that did it. That's what God wants. He wants the glory. He wants the honor. He wants to do it in such a way that we can't explain how it happened. It wasn't a formula. It wasn't do this and do this. God just said, hey, they surrendered themselves. I'm going to do something amazing through them. You know there's a difference between living the Christian life in your own flesh, in your own manner, using your own skill, and surrendering yourself and allowing God to do it through you. But that only happens by knowing Christ personally, knowing him experientially, knowing and realizing how much power he has. Once you get to know God, you stop trying in your own self say, never mind, he does a better job than me anyways. I'm going to let him do the work. That's part of getting to know him, is that you realize he is able and you are not. You know, there's a second thing here that speaks about that when we get to know our father with the idea of knowing him personally, experientially, not only does it show up in the Christian life, but also notice here, it shows up in our prayer life. It shows up in our prayer life. Notice with me in verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. And that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Here it's talking about that amazing things can happen in prayer. And again, it is not us. It is not our fantastic prayer life. It is not you having some magic words to rub the genie in the lamp. It's as you get to experience God... As you get to know God, you understand what what God wants to get accomplished, and you pray according to what, what God wants to get accomplished, and you watch as God does it. The prayer life changes. That as you get to know God experientially, it does show up in your prayer life. Because to be honest, most of the time people talk at God rather than talking with God. What do I mean by that? Well, oftentimes we treat God as a servant, and we give Him our laundry list. God, today I need you to take care of this and take care of this, and go pick up my laundry, and go feed my dog, and go get this happen. And if you got time, car- wash the car. I'm being facetious, but don't we usually give God a list? God, you do this, you take care of this, you take. Who's the servant? and Who's the master? God's the master. We're the servant. He is not a genie in the land. But to be honest, most of us. Just deliver our laundry list to God. We talk at God and then walk away. But we don't talk with God. We don't speak to him. We don't take our time and realize we're talking to a real being. We're talking to to the God of all the heavens. Who's making all the time and attention on us at that time of prayer. It changes the way that we pray when we realize we're talking with the God of the universe. There is something different about talking to God rather than talking at Him. You're speaking with Him. You go up to Him and say, God, I know that you're capable. Show me what you want to do. Tell me what you want to do. That we're asking, we're allowing Him to speak back to us. When's the last time in your prayer, you were in prayer and then you were silent and allowed God to speak back at you? Now, I'm not saying that God speaks back in an audible voice, but... It's as if he was speaking with an audible voice because the Holy Spirit does lead. It does guide. He does speak and he speaks through his word and he guides us and he directs us. The Holy Spirit can lead us and wants to lead us and we can have a personal relationship. Now I understand for people who do not experience this, they don't have that personal relationship. This sounds like we're often left field type thing. We are not. Put it to the test. You talk to God and spend time and allow him to speak back to you and see if he doesn't. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You experience him for yourself. You spend time with him. You see if he doesn't come through. Now again, I'm not trying to say that, you know, we're, we're trying to be very careful here. Because I know that there's some people that say they hear voices and whatnot. I am saying that you can have a personal talk with God and a personal walk with Him and be in His presence and be with Him and He can guide you through His precious Word and and as you talk with Him, you're not just talking at Him, you're talking with Him and having a conversation and He speaks back. You know, the wonderful thing about the prayers in the Bible is that a lot of times that the psalmist, let's take David, God, why have you forsaken me? Why? And as he talks with God, God changes his prayer. And he's saying, you know what? God's good and God's still right. In the same psalm, you take, um, you take <coughs> Paul who had a thorn in the flesh and thrice he beside him. Lord, take this away. Lord, take this away. And God changed his prayer and said, my grace is sufficient for thee. That as you talk with God, he could even change and direct your prayer. And change from where you were at to, where, to uh, where you are now. That's why you could talk to God about anything. You could be honest with God. If you're mad at God, tell him you're mad at him. You say, I don't want to do it. No. Tell him anything. But as you talk with him and have a conversation with him, he will change the way that you pray and the way that you talk. It will change it as you have his presence. It affects our prayer life. Which brings us to one last thing. That as we get to know God personally, it shows up in our Christian life. As we get to know God personally, it will show up in our prayer life. As we get to know God personally, it shows up in our obedience. It shows up in our obedience. Notice with me in verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. You understand that there is no or else on here. It's the idea that as you get to know God personally, you want to do things that is pleasing to your father. The Bible talks about in the book of 1 John that his commandments are not grievous. Meaning if the Bible says it, and I get to know him and know who he is and see how great he is and see how wonderful he is, I have no problems doing what he's asked. Whereas, normally in my flesh, if I'm walking in my flesh and not walking with God, I don't care what God says. I don't you may not say it like that, but your actions show it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. It shows up in our obedience. If you love me, why do I love him? Because I know him personally. I spent time with him. I know who he is. I've seen his character. I've seen his likes. I've been with him. I don't have any problems doing what he's asked because he's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He's got a reason why he said that. He's not telling me to jump through hoops because he's bored. He knows what he's doing. If you love me, keep My commandments there is an obedience that goes along as you get to know God now remember these are results these are side effects what happens as you get to know God the rest of these fall in order that the goal is not the prayer life the goal is God the goal isn't the obedience the goal is God that as you get to spend time with God It shows up in my Christian life. As I get to know God. It shows up in my prayer life. As I get to know God personally. It shows up in my obedience. That the goal is God. The goal is knowing him. How can I know him? By his son, Jesus Christ. That he wants to have a personal relationship with you. That the word knowledge here is not saying I know things about God. It is knowing him personally. It's knowing him experientially. It is knowing him and having a personal relationship with him. Which is what Christ desires most of all. That is why he created man in the first place was to have fellowship. That is why Jesus Christ died on the cross to restore fellowship between God and man. That God wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to have that time. But we have to do our part. He is willing. Are you willing to have that time and that relationship with him? Not just satisfied with facts and figures about Christ. But getting to know him